How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Bucks, brought to you by BrewHoop.com and also brought to you by Mac Weldon, our wonderful, our wonderful friends uh, that have the most comfortable clothes you could ever imagine. Uh, underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants. I feel like I'm missing something because they just make so many different things. Um, but I know this for sure. It's better than whatever you're wearing right now. And it's the holidays, so that's an exciting time to... You know what, Frank? I was thinking about this. So one thing as I've gotten older, like if you would have bought me socks when I was like a teenager, I would have been furious. Absolutely (laughs) furious. And now I would love for someone to get me some socks. Like if I could get some more Mack Weldon socks, I could get those Bucks colored ones you talked about. I would be so unbelievably happy. Is, is that a hint you're giving me and, and no, also no, the rest no, of our listening no, audience that no, we should? No, no, there's no hints. No <laughs> hints, Frank. I would never. <laughs> All right. Well, you, there you heard it. If, you're, if, you plan, if you see Eric's name out in the wilderness uh, and you have some Mack Weldon socks on, you give them to Eric because it'll make him, make him very happy. But and I'll, don't forget to use our promo code, Eric, L.O. Bucks. Yes, I was just getting into that. L.O. Bucks gets you 20% off uh, on a Mack Weldon purchase, so go to MacWeldon.com and check that out today. Obviously, you just heard Frank Madden, uh, obviously the proprietor of BrewHoop.com and just the embodiment of BrewHoop.com. I'm Eric Name, <laughs> ESPN Milwaukee, uh, BrewHoop all over the place. Uh, we talk Bucks every single day, and the Bucks have given us quite a bit to talk about this last week. They are on a four-game winning streak, and I was curious about – the Bucks and winning streaks, etc. So I looked up the amount of winning streaks they've had, four games or more in the last five years. So the five seasons before this season. So five and one quarter seasons. Frank, how many four game or more winning streaks do you believe the Bucks have recorded in that time? Sorry, what, what was the time span again? The last five seasons plus this year. So five and last... one quarter seasons. Last five seasons. Okay, so it doesn't include the Fear of the Deer year. Um, I know there was one last year early in the season, and I You're I correct. feel like back then we had the conversation because I think I think they might have beaten the Nets twice in that streak as well. Maybe the it Sixers started, once. It and, started and ended with the with the Nets. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know the answer is at least two. Um, I'll say hmm, I'll say four. Ooh, more. It's eight. Eight. Four. Wow, that many. Yes, that I was a little bit surprised as well. Uh the the winner there, six game winning streak in twenty twelve. Um that was uh, I didn't even couldn't even imagine that, but uh starting on March ninth of the twenty twelve season going to March twentieth, uh there was a five game winning streak in twenty fifteen. That was one of the 
winning streak when they won nine of ten, if you remember, uh, before the Brandon Knight trade. Uh, they had a five and then a four, so obviously nine of ten. That's how it goes uh, to get that number there, and then some other ones throughout. But yeah, eight winning streaks. So it, I, th- I was thinking it was going to be more rare. I, I, sadly, I was kind of imagining in my head like, <laughs> oh, this might be one of the only ones they've had uh, in the last five years. But eight, so that that was exciting to to find out. But a four game winning streak, as you mentioned. Uh, Back-to-back against the Nets, home and home. Um, One against Orlando and then Cleveland, obviously, in the middle there. And I guess with this this weird Nets home and home thing, one thing I was kind of curious about was what the coaches thought of it. And both Kenny Atkinson and Jason Kidd that night mentioned um, that it it felt like a playoff series, that you get a team – play them and then i know the i understand how ridiculous it is Nets well, for, the, for the nets for the nets i guess that they have to treat these like playoff series right because they're not going to have an actual playoff series correct the bucks if they if they think the nets are playoff anything about playing the nets is like a playoff series and that's probably not not a healthy mindset but go ahead i don't believe they they were suggesting that the play in those in those two games was a playoff series i believe they were suggesting the fact that you play a team and then the next night play them again and i guess one of the interesting things that comes from that is i i i think the allure of a playoff series for the bucks this season to me is that you'll get to have a series at least one of Giannis as the man and why that's exciting to me is because when you play a team four times in a row five times in a row six times in a row seven times in a row you get to figure out the intricacies of that team you get to know that team inside out and within a playoff series you're gonna have to make adjustments I don't know three four different times like you you need to have new things you have to find new ways to attack you have to find new ways to be effective and and for me that's the biggest allure of a playoff series is getting to see how teams adjust to Giannis and then how Giannis adjusts to that team and the way that they're playing them and then maybe it happens two more times that the other team adjusts Giannis adjusts and then one more and you just kind of get to see that game within the game when you have a playoff series. And when you saw the Bucks play on Saturday night, Giannis was, I would say, a little bit more passive maybe um, and was looking to get other people involved. Um, and then in the third quarter kind of seemed to, to take over a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. Did you, did you think there was a big difference between that Thursday game and that Saturday game against the Nets? I think the, I mean, in terms of adjustments, I think the, 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 and then again, I don't know tactically if the, the Nets were necessarily really doing anything very differently, but what they did much more effectively was get back in transition. And, um, you know, I mentioned after the Nets game, the first one, that uh, it was uncharacteristic that the Bucks win a game ultimately pretty comfortably in which they were outscored both in the paint and in transition, which are the two areas that, you know, in terms of like how they, they score points, those are usually the two areas where they are outscoring opponents because you know, normally they're not relying on the three-point shot to, to really catapult them past teams. And I thought the, the Nets were even, you know, they, Giannis still got out on the break a number of times in Brooklyn. And I don't remember him scoring at all in transition on Saturday. 
And I thought the Nets were just very good at, at getting back in numbers and really choking off the Bucks' fast break uh, attempts. So um, I thought that was, you know, kudos to, to Kenny Atkinson, who, you know, the mere fact that the Nets are stationed in games as, as much as they have been. Um, the fact that they have won any games this year uh, is, is probably a testament to him being a, a very good young coach. Um, and again, you know, not to say that this team is going to win, you know, who knows? They may have a hard time getting to 20 wins, but yeah. um, from a practical standpoint, uh, we've obviously seen against the Bucks that, that they have given them some troubles, ironically more in the two games at the Bradley Center than on the road. Um, but yeah, it seemed like maybe the Bucks felt like they had a little bit more comfort and confidence that you know they just sort of seemed like well yeah we're, we're gonna we'll put these guys away and you know, they're up 16 points in the third quarter Giannis is throwing multiple around the back passes <laughs> and you know everything's kind of things kind of seemed to start breaking their way the Nets uh, were struggling from three Brooke Lopez was 0 for 10 to start the game and you just kind of felt like okay yeah you know the the quality of these teams is, is kind of shining through but uh, you know maybe befitting of a team that's young they they kind of I don't know if I want to say well, took the foot off the gas, maybe. Uh, the Nets started getting some open looks that they started hitting. And uh, obviously, they you know like even got the lead, I think, one or two times in the fourth yeah. quarter. And I, I don't know, it was kind of weird. It's, I didn't really concerned. I felt like the Bucks were going to pull that game out. But obviously, it was, uh, you know, a bit tighter in, in the fourth than you would have hoped, certainly, especially uh, in, in the context of what they did in the third quarter when they, they built that lead. But... Matthew Delvadova had had some, made some really big shots. Um, maybe his best game or, or most obvious standout game as a Buck. And, uh, you know, obviously Giannis played well, even if he wasn't scoring necessarily. Uh, John Henson, 20 points for the second time in a week. So great to see him kind of, you know, being the guy. You know, with him and Miles Plumley, I think a lot of times their offense is just a matter of just <laughs> being in the right spots to, to take passes from teammates and finish. But, you know, easier said than done and, and he did it uh, against the nets and he was a plus i think 20 or something so his uh his net rating is finally beginning to turn around a bit um and uh kind of cool also to see the bucks running sets through jabari uh late in the game with jabari and Giannis kind of two-man stuff um late in the game and and that was kind of an interesting look that that we haven't really seen much before yeah uh i i guess just just some stuff you mentioned in the third quarter uh the behind the back passes and then I mean, those. I mean, obviously, if you see Giannis throw behind the back pass, it's going to stick out. But to me, the one that was even more—I don't even know—noteworthy, whatever you may want to say, was he came down on the fast break and threw. He put a bounce pass in between his legs backwards to Delhi to try to set up a three in transition, and I don't think Delhi ended up taking it, or maybe he took it and missed it or something. But it—it it was the first time where I thought. That's kind of disrespectful. Um, that, it, <laughs> like, okay, this Bucks team thinks they are better than the Nets. And, again, I don't think they're wrong. They, they are better than the Nets. I, I feel very confident in that belief. But it was the first time I thought I had outwardly seen – and sometimes you see it from Giannis, but it seemed like the whole team thought, man, we are a lot better than this Nets team. And I, I said it to you before we we started recording, but it felt like when you're playing a pickup game up to eleven or something, and you go up seven to one, and then your whole team is kind of feeling itself, and 
You, you throw some passes that maybe you wouldn't normally throw. You're trying some stuff you've never tried before, and you're just out there trying to have fun and, and trying to be a little bit. I, I think it is a little bit cocky, a little bit disrespectful. And I mean, the Warriors have kind of popularized popularized that um, here in the last little while. Uh, they play that brand of basketball quite often. Uh, I would say there's a a certain disrespectful element <laughs> to the game of basketball that they play, um, the brand of basketball that they play. So it was it was interesting to see the Bucks do that to a team because I don't think we've seen that quite yet. And and I know I wrote at ESPN Milwaukee that blowing out the Nets in those two games might mean more to me than the Cavs win. And after seeing it, I think it kind of holds up. Like I was actively impressed to see one the Bucks play with the Nets in Brooklyn in the first half, and then in the third quarter just decide, you know what, we're better than this team, and just blow them out. And then, as much as I don't want to see them. I mean, let a 16-point lead evaporate. I don't want to see that. But the fact that they built a 16-point lead, got so cocky and and started playing a brand of basketball that might have been a little bit sloppy and might have been a little bit out of control, to play like to get to the point where they could play that and feel that way against a team, that to me was surprising, shocking, weird, <laughs> unusual. It, it was just something I haven't seen before, and that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, and I don't know if that's good in you know in the grand scheme of, of yeah. winning basketball games. Um, it's good to be confident. Obviously, it's good to to have that belief. And I think especially down the stretch, you know, I don't think the Bucks looked like a team that was you know playing with any jitters. Really, I think they were pretty confident. They knew what they could do against that team, and they were able to obviously put them away. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I think it's all about finding that balance between between being overly confident and maybe not yep. taking. Uh, a team as seriously as you should and um and and then also but but playing with confidence not being you know, afraid of, of obviously a team like the nets or or not being afraid of blowing a game right where that you should win and you know it's important to note here i mean the it, you know even if you say you know for instance let, let's say that the bucks had and i guess i know it was a home and road so you know you have a lower likelihood of winning on the road but you know even if you would have told me the Bucks had a seventy percent chance of winning in Brooklyn, which I don't think it was that high. But um, but if 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 you have a seventy percent chance in one game and then a seventy percent chance in the other, you know the the probability of winning both games, you multiply it together, you're just under fifty percent, right? So yeah. I think it, it is important that you know you don't just sort of you know wave off winning two straight games like that, or you know even a, a game like like Orlando, right? Um, you can say that those those teams are bad. I mean, Orlando's not certainly untalented they're not like the nets in, in terms of raw talent but uh you have to go out and sh- show up and actually take care of business and, and obviously the bucks have done that over the past week and you know i was thinking we, we talked a lot about there being you know 14 of the first 21 at home and we'll talk here in a moment about some of the difficult games coming up even though they are at home and beginning with the spurs on monday but i was kind of thinking about it and and I, I wish we had talked about it maybe before the season about you know how many games the Bucks, quote unquote, needed to win to target number of wins, or, or if you want to talk about the playoffs or whatever that might be. Um, I think the interesting thing is, I think the 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 bar for getting to the playoffs in the East is lower than I thought it was going to be. Agreed. Based on teams like Washington and Indiana, uh, in particular, kind of not being maybe as good as we thought they would be, or I don't know, not that we thought Indiana was going to be 
particularly good, but um, but certainly Washington, I think, has probably been the the most disappointing team. Um, and you know, nobody's kind of jumped out. I mean, even the Hawks are you know started well, and they're about five hundred, I think, right now. Um, but I don't think the bar is as high in the East to make the playoffs. And I think where the Bucks are again, ten and eight, but against a pretty soft schedule, against a, a schedule that has certainly been um, heavy on home games, and will continue to be heavy on home games for the next couple weeks. Um, it would have been interesting to say, like, well, how many of those first 21 games would they have to win? And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, we can talk about maybe what they need to do in this this four-game uh, homestand coming up. But I, I was kind of thinking about it in the context of the games that they've lost versus won. And, and, you know, just sort of thinking about, okay, you know, you play against – if your goal is to be a 41-win team, right, dead league average – you can simplify things by saying, well, then that means you you got to beat all the below average teams and you're going to lose to all the above average teams. Right. Yep. And then you can kind of debit and credit against those when you, when you win against a good team and lose against a bad team. And I think if you look at what the bucks have done, um, you know, there have only been maybe, I think it was three games that you kind of look at and say, those are games that the bucks really, um, should have won, or at least, um, you would have hoped for a much better performance. And that's, I think that that loss in Dallas um, yeah. in overtime, which you know they, as bad as badly as they played, they had a chance to win, but that was a disappointing. The very next game, they lose at home to New Orleans before Drew Holiday had come back. That obviously was disappointing. They didn't necessarily play horribly in that game, but they didn't win, which yeah. against a winless team is is bad. And then I think from an effort standpoint, especially the second half in Miami when they lost by 23 on the road, that was sort of the other game I would look at and say, okay, that was a bad game, right? And so in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, when you look at the number of wins that they've pulled off that maybe they they quote-unquote shouldn't have, I don't know if there have been any that, um, you know, other than, I mean, the Cavs win obviously fits into that category. Um, I think... You know, the Memphis game, I mean, now with Memphis losing Mike Conley, their record's probably going to go south a ways. Uh, but, you know, with Conley and Gasol and Randolph and that team they mostly healthy, they were, they were pretty good. I mean, Chandler Parsons was there not playing well. Um, <laughs> but that was actually a pretty quality win at the time. So they've had a couple of quality wins. They've obviously had a number of, of near near misses against the Raptors and, and Warriors at home too. But I think in the grand scheme of things, for the most part, I would argue the Bucks have more or less held serve to what they need to do to be in that, you know, kind of trying to get to, to close to 500 conversation, which I think is, you know, especially given again, Chris Middleton being out and, and the challenges and, and where they were a year ago uh, with the record and the, the defense in particular, the offense being terrible. Um, you know, right now, this is a team that is just inside the top 10 defensively, uh, and they're about league average in terms of offense. And I think those are two very encouraging results. And certainly I think, you know, they can improve if, if certain things happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously at 10 and eight, um, they are leading the Wisconsin professional sports standings at this point with the Packers <laughs> at six. And, six. Um, and we'll see how long they can hold this up with this four game uh, homestand against some good teams. But um, yeah, I think you got to feel pretty good about where the bucks are. Yeah. It, it's kind of, uh, we've talked about it before, and we've mentioned that in that season where they made the playoffs, they they really did so by beating bad teams, and then, well, the good teams are going to get you. Like that that was pretty much the formula, um, and 
when you when you look at this team and you think about the talent that they have, you think about their roster, that seems like a formula that could get them to the playoffs. And I, I don't know if before the season I believed that quite as much. I thought Giannis might be a little bit more inconsistent, but oh, that has not been the case. Um, he, <laughs> he, he has been very consistent, and he's outplayed pretty much everyone in every game he's played. Uh, so if that's the Giannis that's going to come around, I think it's harder, it's harder for me to imagine them dropping games to bad teams. And I, I guess the the – the times where it could occur would be the games where Giannis picks up two early fouls and gets himself out of rhythm. I mean, that was that was one of the ones for sure that we can explain, that Dallas one. He just didn't have any rhythm in that game at all. Um, but for the most part, that to me it makes sense that, yeah, they're going to beat bad teams because Giannis just won't let them lose to those teams. And I was I wasn't there preseason. I wasn't there before the season. I, I'm I'm very sure I wasn't there, and it, it's just been kind of incredible to watch and see that that he's turning into that type of player. So as far as where they should be right now, I think that's about right. Like they they've had some stinkers that should have been there, and you mentioned the three Dallas, New Orleans, Miami, but they've also won some ones that maybe they shouldn't have won and. Uh, I I would be even stronger in saying that Memphis was a good team. They they were playing some really good basketball before all those injuries hit. Uh, Memphis was great. Cleveland is obviously better than the Bucks. They they sneak out those two, so it almost evens out in games they should have won versus games that they shouldn't have won. So I think they're about right. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting because the the home road splits are still there. Uh, the they're playing very good basketball at home, not quite so good basketball on the road. And again, tiny sample size because it's been such a home heavy schedule thus far. And we're not going to learn anything about that uh, this week as they play three more um, at home. But that's going to be the thing that is going to maybe tilt the season and tilt whether or not they can be 500 and can sneak into the playoffs is can they start to bring it more consistently on the road? And and I don't necessarily know that that's surprising, but that's another another step in the maturation of a young team. Yeah, and I think the uh, a stat that makes me feel good about this team is that uh, Basketball Reference has this um, SRS ranking, which is basically a um, power ranking, effectively that, that captures also I think the uh, strength of your your opposition that you've faced so far. And the Bucks are are twelfth in the league using that metric. Um, and you know, their, their point differential is, is close to plus two per, per 100, which is encouraging again, because, you know, it's not like they've been consistently getting, you know, blown out in losses and then coming back and barely winning when they, when they do win, they've actually been, um, you know, their, their expected one losses 10 and eight right now. So they've been kind of, um, pretty consistent in terms of, you know, winning the games they're supposed to now they're still the 28th most difficult schedule right now by uh one of these metrics i'm looking at um and that obviously will will come back somewhat um i imagine their strength of schedule will always be just because by virtue of being in the east their strength of schedule will always be kind of you know probably below average yeah. a little bit um which is a benefit obviously because you don't have to play the west teams as much um but that starts this week uh with uh you know three games against san antonio portland and atlanta 
teams that uh, certainly most people would say are, are better teams than the Bucks. Certainly the Spurs. Uh, I think Portland and Atlanta are, are teams that have had some more ups and downs, uh, and and definitely would be more ripe to to beat. Um, but I don't know. I mean, looking at that that schedule coming up this week, and we'll talk about the Portland and Atlanta games obviously later in the week with a bit more detail. But the Spurs come in. Um, their def- defense has been surprisingly average this year. Uh, last year, they, especially the first half of the season, I mean, they were historically great defensively. We saw that against the Bucks. Bucks got basically nothing going um, oh. in the paint against them. It was pretty hard to watch. Oh. Um, oh, man. And this year, they're 13th in defensive rating. Uh, you would clearly say that swapping Tim Duncan, even in his uh, late age, uh, for Pau Gasol has not been a positive swap. Um, but they still have a top five offense. They're sixteen and four. Uh, they're obviously still a great team. Eleven and, and zero on the road, and eleven and zero on the road. Which you might say, okay, well they're they're destined to lose one game on the road at some point. <laughs> um, so that's weird because they're five and four at home and eleven and zero on the road, which doesn't make particularly much much sense no. considering they were I think undefeated for most of the season at home last year, mm-hmm. um, and then they've lost four of of nine at home. This season. So, um, so I don't know. I think it's going to be a really interesting one, especially because the Spurs, they are first in the league in three-point accuracy at 40% even. Um, I tweeted a bit over the weekend here that the Bucks are first in defending the three-point line in terms of percentage. We've discussed in the past that that number tends to be harder to control. <laughs> so that is, a number where, that is a number where you would expect to see the Bucks potentially fall back. But... Uh, the encouraging thing is the Bucks are 15th in three-point attempts allowed, which is something that you can control more of. So teams are better at controlling the volume of opponent three-point attempts versus the accuracy of those attempts. Um, and it's interesting because I was looking at like the corner versus above the break uh, defense. They're actually not, I mean, they're pretty much average, I think, in terms of uh, corner three accuracy, mm-hmm. but they are ridiculously good they're like at 29 percent or something like that defending above the break so i mean that that those are tend to be harder anyway because they're longer yeah but um you'd expect that number to go up but um the good news two pieces of good news the bucks are again they're average rather than i think they were either last or one of the worst teams in the league in terms of the number of three pointers allowed last year mm-hmm. uh so the fact that they're getting back to average means that they're contesting and and closing out and preventing guys from shooting as many threes and um, they rank first in the league in number of contested three pointers from opponents per game. So, and they're up by they have like a twenty six. So they allow thirty and they contest like twenty six point four. So that shows you that the defense. Um, and and look, I mean, a lot of us. I mean, how many times late last season were people saying, "Oh, they got to change the defensive scheme. They got to, you know, this defense can't work in the modern NBA." I certainly was wondering, like, can you really continue to do it this way? Um, at least with the personnel that they had. Um, Greg Monroe's obviously played fewer minutes this year. They've played maybe some more mobile lineups. Um, Giannis is, you know, um, a, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, like, all right, <laughs> let, let, you're burying the lead here, Frank. Let's let's get to the Giannis thing. is an, an eight arm sea monster uh, who <laughs> you know makes it impossible to throw over the top of, uh, when he's there. Um, so they've obviously, uh, I think, improved defensively for over last year, and and obviously at being ninth in the league, um, you're you're in a much much better place. The first month last season, we were all wondering, okay, are they going to stay as bad as they were, which was basically dead last. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to me that's a really fascinating thing. I'm going to be watching, especially with you know three teams that obviously you think of as being good offensively. I'm, I'm not sure if 
the, the Hawks have actually been that good offensively this year, but you know, historically, obviously they have been, but Portland and San Antonio, obviously teams that can fill it up and shoot threes um, will be an interesting test to see if that, that Bucks three point defense begins to mean revert uh, this week. It, it was interesting on Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, no. Yeah. Saturday. Um, Kenny Atkinson, made a point to talk about the the Bucks defensively. Someone just asked a random question about their defense and he like insisted on talking about the Bucks three point defense and said I, I get I mean obviously you can look at the number and say, okay, teams aren't making a lot against them. And and he did say that like they're the best team in the league at defending the three. But then I like pressed him on it a little bit more. I was like, well what makes them good at it? And he mentioned that uh, they're doing a nice job with switches, and their length helps them kind of contest everything. And it, it, when you mention the numbers, that their contest rate is high, and that they're they're cutting down on threes a little bit. And then it, it was just funny to hear that pregame, and then to watch that game where the Nets had bombed forty threes the game before, and our team that are is totally totally unafraid of shooting threes that they got another 41 up on on saturday they are looking for threes they want to put threes up and yet there was countless times where you would see the bucks run one of their guys off the line and and make it tougher and as i was watching it i was thinking okay that possession ended in a three like that's fine but instead of ending in a three with 11 seconds on the shot clock totally uncontested in the corner like it might have last year it was above the break after a dribble with five seconds on the clock and and you can you can kind of see the defense starting to take shape a little bit again i don't know if they're as good as the numbers say because what are they up to now ninth defensively um i don't know if they're quite that good but Giannis is he's something else um you, you can't throw a skip pass while he's on the floor because uh, he's going to go get it. You, you can't throw a baseline where you jump out of bounds and throw it to the opposite opposite corner because he's going to get that. Uh, you you can't run up. You can't put him in a pick and roll because somehow he's going to get his hands on it. Either if that's uh, if he's defending the ball handler or if you're going to try to throw a pocket pass on him, he's getting a limb on it. And his his growth there has been un- really really unbelievable and especially when it coincides with his growth as an offensive player to see all this come together and i know i've had a it's not just one person in my mentions in the last week but multiple people in my mentions asking when do we start talking about him as defensive player of the year and i think that's a stretch at this point because i think a lot of the times defensive player of the year means you're on a winning team um you're on a team that wins a lot and Everyone. Hey, they're 10 and 8, Eric. What more do you want from this team? Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. Um, but you're looking at one of the best teams in the league, and you can you can vividly see this guy's defensive contribution. And, and I think as much as it takes a while for the league to catch up on all-stars, on all-NBA, I think defensive recognition takes even longer. I think that one is is really word of mouth and really because we don't have the the same eye for defense as we do for offense. So it's going to take longer, but I don't think we're going to see Giannis in the defensive player of the year discussion this year, 
even if he continues to be in the top three in stocks, which he currently is, um, with over two <laughs> over two steals and over two blocks a game. I, I don't think we'll see that quite yet this year. Um, I, I think that might be a little bit much. Yeah, I, I think defensive player of the year is tough, and that's a, very much a reputation based award. Uh, I mean, not not to say you don't have to be a great defender, but you know, um, it, it certainly I think usually does lag a year. I think um, so. You know, with with knocking on all wood that that Giannis stays healthy and, and as productive as he's been, um, I think this is a year that you see him get to the All Star game. I think we've gotten sort of the point where, um, unless the Bucks completely go in the tank and he gets hurt and, and whatever, I mean, if if the Bucks are, you know, again in the East is is it looks like it's going to stay pretty wide open from a playoff standpoint for teams like the Bucks for a while yet. Um, I think if they survive December reasonably well. Um, I don't think there's going to be much competition for him to get into the, or at least there's going to be much debate about him getting the all-star game. So hopefully then a year later uh, that, that defensive player of the year, who knows? Yeah. Maybe it could be in play. And, and I think maybe this is a year where he gets, you know, votes for, for the defensive um, all defensive team. Um, and as you said, I think the big thing for him is that, you know, he's not just a, you have to watch him play. I mean, just look at the numbers, right? I think, what is it like the only guys, I think the only guys who've done two plus blocks and two plus steals uh, in a single season are Akeem and David Robinson <laughs> or something that like seems that. Good. Um, so that's good company to have. Oh, Gerald and, Wallace had one too. Okay. And he's also a highlight real guy, right? Which, um, which does matter. Um, yep. But obviously if, if you're a highlight real guy, you have the stats and uh, you know, you're on a team that actually is, is pretty decent. Uh, and the defense is good, then I think eventually people will will take note. Um, and I guess I should mention as well, because I asked a lot in the last pod where the term stocks came from. Apparently, um, Bill Simmons used it in uh, the book of basketball, which I think I own, and I just haven't gotten around to read. <laughs> oh, I've so. definitely read it. But I feel like sometimes I just hear people say stocks in general, like when when we're talking basketball with people. And I didn't know that that was... An, an invention per se like that someone invented i just thought it kind of existed was a thing um yeah. so yeah but that was interesting um i do think uh i know before the game uh i was talking to jim paschke a little bit and he was saying that he thought last week um i don't know if he mentioned it during the broadcast he said he was going to on saturday but he said that he thought this last week was the week Giannis became an all-star and not because he played any better, but just because you have a game against the Cavs and then you go to New York, I mean Brooklyn, but still New York, and you get to see all the media. And then when all the media is there and everyone watching, he goes, I mean, he should have had a triple double if he would have played the fourth quarter, but basically a triple double in three quarters and everyone goes, oh, wow, yeah, we really missed, uh, we, we missed this guy. Uh, so he was saying that and. I will say there there was a national ESPN writer that a lot of people uh, tend to like and read quite a bit um, in attendance on Saturday. He mentioned a couple weeks ago not being able to write a story about Giannis, so he's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna be able to do that in the coming week. Uh, so that should help out Giannis as well in the All Star campaign. Yeah, the mindshare in the national sort of narrative is is definitely coming around on Giannis and we can say that it's Brian Windhorst because Jim Paschke also mentioned it during, during the TV oh, broadcast. Okay. I didn't on know. Saturday, so, I never yeah, get to yeah. listen to the TV broadcast, so I never know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, a couple other things is just kind of touching upon the, some of the conversations around, you know, why is the defense better? Um, 
I mean, certainly holding teams down uh, from beyond the arc is, is a big part of that. Um, but another part of it, too, I mean, they're, they're about average in defensive rebound rate this year. Last year, they were 29th. I know early in the season, they were, you know, a couple percent worse than the 29th team. Even they were, you know, way, way off um, in terms of that number. And so now I think seeing that also. You know, cutting down on second chances. Obviously, that that's a, a going to be something that that helps your defense uh, in terms of you know helping that that uh, efficiency number and and just you know cutting down on a couple other a couple maybe a couple extra buckets a game um, that way. Uh, so that's definitely been a positive. And I think the other thing I was just looking at it. Um, you know, I, I I was talking a lot about how the the starting lineup with Henson in particular. I think started the week at, at minus twenty three point four points per one hundred. Uh, it's basically improved now to close it's not quite positive yet but i think it was like under it was like minus four or five at this point so that number has come around a lot and if you look at the current starting five of um Delavidova, snell parker Giannis, henson over the last seven games that group has been plus 6.1 points per 100 um and i'm i still think you know a weird a very weird number when you look at the bucks net ratings is that the bucks are awesome when Jabari Parker is not on the court. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, I, you know, on, on some level, you don't worry about being good without players so much as so long as you're still good with them on the court. But that has also not been the case with Jabari this year. Um, and it hasn't really been just a defensive thing, which you normally think of. Yeah. Um, it's been on both sides. And so it's encouraging that, you know, we'll see what the trend is. Um, but it is encouraging that over the last, uh, you know, seven games or so, um, the starting lineup, even with Henson, even with Jabari, guys who've been bad in terms of net rating, um, that those numbers are, are starting to turn around a little bit um, because obviously that's that's pretty important. Um, so we'll kind of see what that means. Um, you know, Giannis Jabari is a pair over the last seven plus four. Um, you know, for the most part, most of the Bucks. Um, it looks like basically the the, the biggest. And see if I look at the top, let's say ten or twelve combos. Um, pretty much all of them are positive over the last seven other than Snell and Parker. Ironically, they're the, 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 the pairing that's had the most minutes together, 178. They're actually minus 0.7. Um, but Giannis and Deli, Giannis and Jabari, Deli and Jabari, Giannis, Snell, Snell, Delvadova, you know, all those kind of starting combinations are all generally plus three to plus nine or so. So that's, that's obviously encouraging because, you know, if you're going to try to roll ahead, roll forward with this group, um, they're going to have to produce together. And, and obviously I think especially Henson and Jabari's numbers have been a bit concerning because obviously um, in Jabari's case in particular, he's supposed to be a, a building block. And if you're better without him um, and better with like Beasley and Toledovic and, and guys like that, that, that wouldn't be great. So hopefully that number is, is starting to come around as well. Um, anything else in terms of like the Spurs in particular, maybe that you're going to be looking for on Monday? Um, I think we're in the middle of one of those eight to ten game stretches where John Henson plays really good basketball, and both from the team doing well, from him playing well, and I, I'm genuinely very interested to see if if one that I'm accurate in thinking that, and two why it won't extend further than those 8 to 10 games. Uh, And it's kind of been the story of John Henson that every once in a while there's just a stretch of games where he looks like 
he is a, a great NBA center. And and then maybe it's it's a small injury. Maybe it's one bad game. Maybe it's it's who knows. But there's always something that derails that. And I just wonder if that's something he can continue, if if there's something that if that he can he can keep going. Um so that'll be interesting. And for me, I how many times this year have we said, Well, the Bucks might have lost, or maybe the Bucks won, but the key thing tonight was Giannis outplaying X. And and X has been Anthony Davis, X has been Paul George, X has been LeBron James, X has been Nick Batum, X has been whoever you want that the Bucks have played thus far. And, well, X on, on Monday is going to be Kawhi Leonard. And if Giannis outplays Kawhi Leonard, well... I just don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do because I feel like that's the ultimate test, especially for Giannis to have a good game offensively. To to outplay Kawhi Leonard on Monday night would it would be something. I will say that it would be something. So that that is probably the biggest thing I'm looking for on Monday. Yeah, and actually, so I was using the basketball reference stats earlier when I was talking about opponent three-point shots. And actually, I think those are total. I don't know why they wouldn't be on average um, because I was just actually want to correct this because it looks like if I look at just three-point attempts per game, the Bucks are actually near the bottom of the league in a bad way in terms of attempted threes. So actually, that that's still a concern. So I just want to be careful that we give the Bucks too much credit here. So they're actually still allowing, they are still the best in the league in terms of percentage law, but that's, you know, as I said, um, allowing a lot of threes is, is not a good sign. Um, contesting a lot of threes is good. Um, but I just want to make sure I correct that because, uh, again, they are still allowing a lot of threes, um, per, per game around 30, which is even higher than last year, but, um, uh, kind of interesting that you know, obviously the three point, uh, attempt trend just continues to, to get higher and higher in the league. Um, so if, if they were averaging, it's kind of funny. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year in terms of three pointers allowed per game. If they were averaging the same number allowed per game this year as last year, they'd be average in the league. <laughs> so it just sort of tells you like how the, the pace is, is changing, um, from year to year. So anyway, I retract a little bit of Bucks credit, but obviously that means those those contest numbers and the fact that they're they're continuing to contest at a very high rate. Um, that's all the more important. I think that'll be it for us. Uh, I think we have successfully talked about the Nets and prepared you to watch the Bucks take on the Spurs Monday night tonight. Whatever. I don't. I still don't really know how I should. Uh, phrase that one uh, but this has been lockdown bucks it's been brought to you by brewhoop.com and it's been brought to you by mac weldon we didn't do a read in the middle but that's okay because we like mac weldon and talking about mac weldon uh, so go to MacWeldon.com. you can find the most comfortable clothes you'll, you will ever wear um, there and i i think i oh i have my mac weldon shirt on right now um, it's very comfortable uh, but That'll be it for us. And it, and it looks good. It's it's not, you know, I think that, that would, I would say that too. I think comfort and it actually like, you know, as we've said, yeah. you actually like look pretty, pretty damn presentable, especially for a couple of quote unquote bloggers, I would say. <laughs> so, Yes, we, we are really the best, the best dressed bloggers out there because of MacWeldon.com. So, <laughs> well, well, that might be presumptuous, but, but we'll take it. So use the MacWeldon promo code. It's LO bucks. That'll get you 20% off your order at MacWeldon.com. That's going to be it for us. We'll talk to you after... 
the Spurs and after Giannis outplays Kawhi. Um, but yeah, we'll talk to you after that. Thanks for listening.